0: Uh, Welcome to a very special view from the Loch, Uh, absolutely delighted with the particular guest we have on uh, this particular show, uh, has won two PGA Tour titles, 25 European Tour events, which is the eighth of all time, including a 1998 at Loch Lomond Golf Club, uh, four titles in Japan, eight in Asia, which is the sixth of all time, and one in Australasia. One of the few golfers ever to win in five continents, and has won tournaments over four decades. Lee Westwood, you're very, very welcome.
1: Thanks, Bill. Pleasure to be
0: here. Well, I mean, uh, I'll just pick out, of course, the Loch Lomond uh, yeah. Scottish Open victory. You're very kind and supportive of Loch Lomond, and we all appreciate it very much. What can you remember about that particular event, and what, what is, strikes you so much about Loch Lomond?
1: Um, I think lot alone probably my favorite inland golf course in Britain. Um, and I just remember the course was very new at that stage. Yeah. Uh, I think we'd had, I think we've maybe had a couple Tom Lehman and Thomas Bjorn, maybe one before me, um, uh, and just fell in love with the place. As soon as I started playing it in, I think it was 1996, um, and Played well that week. I was I was on a bit of a hot streak. I'd won a few tournaments coming in. I think I was I think that was my third European Tour event in a row where I won. I think I won in Germany and England, and then we I went over to America, played the U.S. Open, and then came back and won. Um, I think it was the was it something to do with Standard Life, right? At that stage, um, World Invitational or something like that, as when we weren't having the Scottish Open at that stage. Yeah, I yeah. Took on the Open mantle. Uh, I think I won by three or four shots in the end. Yeah. Um, eight, eight under. I think you're eight under in total. Yeah, uh, I think when Tom Lehman won, he won with about level 67s, um, yeah. and then Thomas was a few under. But the, the golf course gradually toughened up. I think we had tricky conditions that week. I remember, yeah. I think I was wearing waterproof bottoms when I won in the final round. So it must have been a bit damp, as it yeah. tends to get there every now and again. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, but I played really well, um, and yeah, I think I made birdie on 17, which gave me a quite yeah. a big cushion. I made two there, and uh, and then coming down 18 was uh, pretty comfortable.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jose Alazabal
1: uh, was was interviewed in a golf
0: magazine, uh, Golf World or something like that, and he put down the 18th as Loch Lomond as one of his favourite holes and golf, would you subscribe to that, Lee?
1: Yeah, I would. Um, I think it's a a cracking finishing hole. Um, Obviously, you've got the lock on the left-hand side um, and bunkers on the right-hand side if you bail out. Um, It's a fairly generous fairway, I would say. It's not overly narrow, but you've still got a good shot in there and uh, um, pull the right club on the second shot. Um, You know, the green kind of sits a little bit across you. Long sure. carry on the right hand side, and you know if you don't hit a good shot, you can go in those traps. So uh, and there's a nice roll off on the left hand side if you if you kind of pull it and hit too much club. So yeah, it's a it's a lovely finishing you know, hole, especially with the old uh castle in the background yeah. there. Um, do, you, do you know Lee? That castle, it's
0: the Cahoon family, and Sir Malcolm is a is is a sitting lord at the moment, and he actually told me they do not have any idea what that castle looked like I mean there's, there's effectively uh, a wall standing wall and he said that there's no evidence of what it looked like drawings or anything like that uh, that they can actually put their hands on which is an incredible thing so the family yeah. there was a castle famous castle and nobody has a clue what it looks like
1: apart from the one wall that's on the back of the 18th <laughs> yeah I had to come walking out of there to the prize presentation Yeah, through the door there. That's right. Yeah, people still people. I I remember having having an inside, but there's only if there's only one wall, it can't have an inside.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that might have been Lyle. Might have created something from uh, you know from wherever. Uh, And uh, Lyle's actually um, going to come on this uh, show, which will be fascinating as well uh, uh, for everybody. Um, So okay, so I mean, you know, we we thank you really very much about your, your very kind comes with Loughlin on a regular basis honestly it means an awful lot uh, to us here uh, the masters is uh, happening of course uh, tomorrow you've uh, tied second tw- you know uh, twice 2010 2016 so i mean lee you've been there done it around the world uh, at augusta as well so What's the key requirements to play well at,
1: at Augusta? I think uh, I think competitive knowledge of the place ca- c- counts for a lot at Augusta. I think the more often you can play it, the better uh, and mm. play it under competitive conditions. It's all right, you can have as many practice rounds as you like, but until you've played it on a Saturday or a Sunday, at a weekend when they let it firm out and they change the flag positions and you know have the extreme positions, you never really uh, get a feel for how to play it and get a game, an idea of a game plan. Um, I think that's probably why you get so many repeat winners and, and why you don't get many first-time winners. Sure,
0: sure. I mean, the they've made a few changes to it. Have you had a chance to have a look at those changes, uh, Lee? Or, you know, uh, obviously people are talking about this rollback uh, and things like that and, and changing equipment and, and I don't
1: know, do you have any views on anything like that? Uh, well, I haven't seen the changes in answer yeah. to you. But, okay. you know, when I think they've changed the 13th significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously to combat the distance the golf ball goes. Yeah. Uh, but they've been doing that over a few years now, you know, pushed 18 mm-hmm. back, pushed 5 back, um, you know, 11's gone back. Mm-hmm. Uh One's gone back. Um, there's there's a, quite a few changes. Seven's changed dramatically from the first time I went and played there. You could you could hit an iron off seven, and or if you fancied pulling driver, get it right up by the trap, short the green, the longer hitters. Yeah. But now, you know, the tee's 60, 70 yards back, I would imagine, from where it initially was. Um, and you don't need to shape the ball right to left as much as you did in the past, because it's further, it's further to the dog legs than, uh, it used to be in, in a lot of respects that that's made it a little bit easier. You know, you used to really have to, some slingers around that golf course. And now really 10, 13, I guess are the only places you really have to draw it. 14 used to be a bit of a draw up there. Right. Yeah. and, And two used to be, uh, there were, there were a few, um, but now I think, you know, you don't see it suit in the draw of the golf ball quite so much. You know, it, it's opened it out to, you know, people that fade the golf ball. You know, in the past, Lee Trevino didn't have a much of a record there. I think only a couple of top tens because he generally moved it left to right. Whereas nowadays, that kind of golfer might have more of a chance. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. as as for the rollback, you know, they've been talking about it for many a year now, haven't they? And uh, yeah. um, they talk about how working the golf ball left to right, you know, shapers of the golf ball that's gone out of the game, you know, it's, um, and certainly technical developments, you know, with equipment have, have made it harder to shape the golf ball, uh, and generally no need to shape the golf ball. Um, Mm. I think, I think it, it sounds strange, especially to amateurs, but the golf, the golf ball, as far as professionals are concerned, now really goes too straight and you know there's not as much of a premium on maybe hitting the driver out the middle of the club you know there used to be the old saying, oh i really hit that one out the screws yeah uh, when, when wooden heads had screws and you really had to hit it out the middle now you, you know you don't really you know you don't really have to hit it out, the, out the middle anymore with a driver you know high out the toes where it really goes the furthest which i think when you look back at it great drivers of the golf ball and you know i'm thinking of greg norman ian woosnam People like that, Nick Price. Um, really, those guys would lose their advantage today. You know, the great drivers of the golf ball really have lost their advantage over the uh, last few years because of technical changes. Um, it'll be interesting over the next few years to see uh, people's reactions to you know this this rollback that they're talking about. Golf manufacturers have an awful amount of money invested in research and development to get sure. the golf ball to where it is now, and all of a sudden you're telling them, you know, that's, that's no good. You've got to, you got to <laughs> take it back, you've got to take it back 20 years. Cause I talked to Titleist and they said they, they looked at, uh, um, you know, what, what the r and and the USGA were asking. And it seemed like the very first Pro-V one that came out they're trying to get them back to that golf ball. So, uh, you know, they had that technology 20, 20 years ago. So, you know, that's frustrating for them. Um, yeah. yeah. Heck, they'll still they'll still make make and sell golf balls won't they so uh, sure um, and I, th- I think the idea is to not have to lengthen golf courses as much and be able to play the old traditional golf courses you know a little bit more you know, yeah that.
0: yeah because I, I think um uh you know you, you talk to some of you guys and and you know it's it's always really interesting and And I I think people do, uh, players on tour, and you can tell me I'm wrong or right, uh, you know, those historic golf courses are really important, you know, with the history and, you know, and, 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 you know, sometimes that gets lost maybe with... uh, for a variety of reasons but when you play sort of hallowed ground of you know with numerous club or courses in, in, in the UK uh, and Ireland as well uh, over in the US of course um, you know similar uh, you know I, I think you guys do enjoy those particular historical courses is that right Lee? Would that be
1: accurate? Yeah I'd agree with you there yeah and uh, you know there was, there was talk last year when the Open Championship was going back to st andrews that you know there were going to be so many holes drivable and you know it, it, it kind of proved that way, that way you know there was a lot of driving of par fours and things like that by the longer hitters so you know golf courses we want golf courses like st andrews to still remain playable and still hold the open we, you will you don't want a good place like st andrews taking off the open no. rotor and that's the fear for everybody really you know i think the only time 63 has been beaten in a major championship was at birkdale now if you said to me somebody's somebody's going to shoot lower than 63 in a major, Birkdale will probably be the last place I would yeah, pick. It's such a difficult golf course, but you know you catch it on a day when there's a five, six mile an hour wind and you know guys hit it so far now that it, it, it's entirely possible to shoot 62, clearly around somewhere like Birkdale, which is one of the hardest, I guess, most prestigious traditional places to play golf in the British Isles.
0: Yeah, and I, and I would say if you've not played Birkdale, you've got to go and play it. It is a fantastic golf course. Uh, and from a selfish point of view, the Open returning to Royal Portrush you know yeah. um or, or i've played and and grew up in northern ireland uh you know was 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 just fantastic uh yeah. for for us uh in particular people from northern ireland uh and ireland and um, so uh what was your views of of royal county down or sorry royal Port rush getting the opportunity the crowds were phenomenal the atmosphere and of course shane winning you couldn't have scripted mm. it you know, um, any views on on Royal Portrush coming sort of back on the? Road yeah,
1: down? I played the uh, the British Amateur there years ago. Uh, right, and and I played that course and the other one uh, down in the bottom Dunluce in the valley, isn't there? Yeah, know. there and is. Yeah, correct. Both excellent golf courses, and yeah. but but to see to go back to play the Open there and see the changes, I thought the changes were brilliant. The new holes, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think. Portrush is probably my three favourite links courses in the British Isles. It uh, could, wow. could even be could even be my favourite. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that. I, I haven't played Turnberry. Now it's been yeah. remodeled, and I believe everybody raves about that. Yeah, now. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to go and play it at some stage. Cool. But I would guess those two and Birkdale. Uh So you know Turnberry and and and. Birkdale yeah. and like Port rush I, I couldn't really separate, them, I don't think.
0: yeah, yeah, well, it's it's nice to hear that and i I tend to agree with you on that. It's Sandy Lyle uh, who people this this stat might be surprising for people. He was Britain's first master's champion in yeah. nineteen eighty eight. Uh, and he's retiring in a, a Sandy's last uh, last gig at, at the Masters. And he hit, of course, that seven iron, as I am sure we all remember, uh, from the fairway bunker. And then that downhill putt to win. Uh, it's got to be etched in everybody's brain. How difficult was what he achieved to achieve? Out of the bunker, seven iron, downhill <laughs> putt.
1: Yeah, I remember it being a young boy, kind of... Mm. Being allowed to stay up on the Sunday night and watch the final nine holes because that's all you got in them those days. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Sandy, you know, flick it off the top of the sand with a seven iron out of that trap, and uh, and then roll the putt in down the hill. I mean, it was uh, it was incredible. Um, just was such a tough shot, but you know, I, I think maybe maybe Sandy's not been recognised for the great player. He he was at that time and is he's maybe not got the the accolades that everybody else has got and I think that's probably because he's just a quiet yeah. kind of retiring, retiring character type um, <laughs> you know he doesn't blow his own trumpet and uh, um, you know he's a he's a I spoke to him last year at the Open at St Andrews we we kind of had breakfast in the same room and uh, Yolanda his wife and Sandy we were chatting and he's just a really nice fella yeah you know he. I can spend hours talking to Sandy. You know, I really enjoy his company, and uh, um, you know that that win and the and the one at St George's, the, the one at St George's was previous to that, and I hadn't really started playing golf at that stage. So Sandy winning the Masters was when I was starting to take more note of golf on TV and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, he kind of paved the way for you know. Europeans coming through there, you know, Wozniacki won quick, quickly afterwards, and uh, Nick won, and Jose Maria Lathabal. and obviously Seve kind of started it all off. Yeah, um, Bernard Langer. It was a it was a great time for European winners at, uh, at Augusta. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you Faldo 89, 90, Woosnam
0: 91, but then this crop of uh, young English golfers sort of came along. Yourself. Uh, Ian Poulter, uh, Rose, Justin Rose, uh, Luke Donald Um, and I remember uh, Nick Faldo saying you know remarking that uh, maybe he was the only English guy that was maybe shooting high uh, or there were sporadic others uh, about you mentioned Europeans but all of a sudden there was sort of four English guys that were were really going places very very quickly and and sort of were you aware of that Lee and you know you're bringing a a nation with you at the time these sort of young guns and and kind of doing it out there did you kind of all feed off each
1: other well at the end of the 90s i think there was only myself and nick faldo in the top 100 in the in the world from england so right. uh, yeah it, i think yeah nick and you know i guess i guess i i did you know spurred a Another generation on, you know, we had people like Mark James and I think Peter Baker, yeah. uh, Paul Broadhurst were Englishmen around at that at that time. Uh, I remember playing in the Dunhill Cup with a, with a few of those guys. Um, but like I say, they only only the two of us in the top hundred in the world. And then since wow. then, you know, it's kind of it, it, it encourages and gives people confidence to come on and burst onto the scene, doesn't it? And then since then um, we've had, you know, Luke Donald, Paul Casey, Justin Rose, people like that. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. a bit younger than me, you know, five ten years younger than me. They've come onto the scene. Ian Poulter and uh, yeah, and that, now you've got the likes of Tommy Tommy Fleetwood and Tyrrell Hatton. Um yeah. They, they're, they're inspiration for the next generation, I guess. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I get, oh, that's interesting. So there was a, a kind of a, a gap I felt that, you know, that was sort of Faldo had, had launched. You know, this this sort of, um, I, I don't know, vibrant, um, and maybe he did uh, sort of even if you put it down to an English golf scene, and then we had the, the Northern Ireland boys. It's funny how these things work. You know, we had Clarkie, uh, McDowell, and, and McElroy. Then Who, who'd have thought a place like Northern Ireland had three masters, or sorry, three major champions in one year. It was just like yeah. absolutely crazy stuff. So these things can sort of cycle. But, you know, you went then, I mean, your Ryder Cup, um, record is is really terrific. Um, your first appearance was in '97 in Valderrama, bloody tough golf course, uh, and you partnered Nick Faldo, and Sevi was the captain. So, hmm. w- what was that experience like? That must have been you were 24 years of age. Yeah,
1: and uh, and uh, in in '89 and '93, actually, they they were my first two. Uh, experiences of going and watching professional golf. They were really the only two men's professional events I ever went to watch and because they were at the Belfry, I went down with some friends and that was my kind of my first view of men's professional golf. So it went from watching it in 89 to and 93 to then going and playing in it in 97 where, you know, a guy I'd obviously looked up to and, you know, had been winning major championships when I sort of started playing the game, you know, Faldo. So, uh, and you know everybody holds holds Seve and his career in high regards, to yeah. so as uh, as a captain was uh, was really special. You know he's an inspirational figure really, and uh, you know whenever he said anything, you thought that you know something uh, special was going to come out.
0: <laughs> and I mean I, you know uh, that sort of motivational skills. I take it you you just looked at him and. He just, win was written all over him. It was
1: uh, in his blood. Yeah, you know, Seve would always find some way of winning, you know, or, or making it close, you know, I, I, no matter how he was playing. I remember him playing in 95 against uh, Tom Lehman, opening up, uh, and he was struggling clearly, and he just kept chipping in and getting up and down from everywhere and just dragging the, get his match with Tom Lehman out, you know, and he, he just never knew when he was defeated.
0: Yeah, Tom Weisskopf, The um, uh, yeah, the survey was just something else. Tom Weisskopf, the course designer, of course, uh, who sadly passed away last year. Was telling me a story about playing in in the Ryder Cup. Now, different times, it was GB in Ireland. Uh, he he wasn't always up for it. He admits that. Um, but he said that you know he, he would he would have been paired with Jack Nicklaus a lot, um, and uh, uh, he said that they. They obviously would have won most of the matches, uh, but he remembers one occasion, uh, and it might have been uh, against two of the Irish lads, might have been O'Leary and possibly Poland, I'm not quite sure, but uh, he said that they were two up with four to play and then were standing on the 17th, one up, and he said he really felt the pressure. He, He can clearly remember the match play pressure and crowd, and all of a sudden he thought... Yeah, this is a different feeling. Uh, this is a different feeling to what I'm used to. Um, and Lee, you've obviously experienced that and, and Tom
1: accurate I'm assuming in what he says. Oh yeah, you know yeah, the pressure you feel at Ryder Cup's like nothing else we feel in golf, really, you know, to stand on that first tee and be nervous. That wouldn't that wouldn't happen anywhere else. Um, you know, just representing um, Europe and you know, trying to win points for the other guys on your team. It just seems to intensify the pressure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. In
0: 2004 in Oakland Hills, you sunk the winning putt. Um, so, you know, again, those sort of emotions, were, were you aware of the significance when you're standing over that putt?
1: Uh, you're looking at the, the board, the leaderboard, if you've got time, trying to work it all out. And you know, you know it depends where putts go in on the golf course and what stage matches are at. Um, but really, then you've got to fall back on your professionalism and have a good mental attitude and just zone yourself into that that moment and not really worry about the consequences or, you know, how it's going to pan out and affect the team, really. Yeah. You know, just, I was just trying to hold that six foot or downhill. Oof. God, I
0: mean, I'd be closing my eyes uh, and wishing for the best. Now, the K Club, my own hunting ground before um, the uh, Loch Lomond, uh, which, you know, I've been very privileged to be part of the renaissance of, of Loch Lomond, thanks to the members and a fantastic staff as well. But the K Club is is where I was uh, directly before Loch Lomond. And of course, uh, that was a very emotional Ryder Cup. Um, and uh, with Darren uh, and mm. everything with, with regarding Heather, um, and and the wave of emotion uh, of Darren walking onto the tee box is something that will never leave. I don't think any of us. I, I mean, you were very close. Uh, how how did it affect you? Um, obviously, you're one comfortably, um, and you didn't lose a game. I don't think uh, either. So, um, what's your memories of, of the K Club and the Ryder
1: Cup? That first tee, really. Uh, You know, Heather had passed away about six or seven, maybe eight weeks beforehand, and uh, uh, myself and Darren had got picked from Wuzzy. Uh, We both got good records around the K Club. Um, And I'd managed to keep my emotions intact, and, you know, really for the sake of Darren, I guess. Um, And then walking onto the first tee, I I, I waited for Darren to come on the first tee, and he he had tears in his eyes because, you know, the Mm -hmm. crowd were incredible showing him a lot of love and support uh and then we walked onto the first tee and um, the two players we were playing were were tearing up and then i looked at the caddies billy uh billy was tearing up, yeah. and that's and that's when it, it i just couldn't hold it in any longer so uh, um i i te- we were playing we were play- yeah we were playing four ball and darren teed off first and knit it about 300 yards down the middle yeah. and, uh, and it's one of the best round of golf he's ever played i, I guess uh it could be the best round of golf he's ever played under under those circumstances. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an emotional Ryder Cup. And, uh, you know, I think it was a record win at the time or tied a record yeah. win. It was, uh, you know, I guess the Irish crowds, you know, always get behind all the sporting events and certainly golf Yeah, over there. And uh, um, even more so, you know, everybody had been looking forward to the Ryder Cup being there and we put on a good performance and they were, they were phenomenal and right behind us. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was special. Um, obviously the reason for it being special, isn't the, you yeah. don't want it. You don't want it to be like that, but, uh, you know, Darren held himself together really well. I thought,
0: yeah, amazing as, as Darren is a larger than life character. Uh, I must tell a, a little story, however. Um, I was at uh, Down Royal Race Course, uh, which is in Lisburn, just outside Belfast, and Darren was there. Uh, and, um, you know, I introduced myself, I, I was at the K Club then, and I'd never really met Darren before, maybe briefly once. Uh, and uh, he was no fan of the second golf course uh the Smurfit course it may be renamed i mean dr Smurfit is a complete legend uh i have to say and um, put on record and they give me a job and i forever appreciate that but he was no fan of the second golf course which he yeah. told me he told me for at least 20 minutes uh and, and I, had a, I, had a good, I had a good tip on that race uh and i missed the whole bloody race as darren was telling me his thoughts on the second golf course at the k club anyway
1: i I didn't put it i bet he didn't put it as politely as that either did he
0: no he didn't (laughs) i thought i i thought i nearly went over the hurdle uh but anyway um it was uh, but i appreciated the passion and i always do
1: appreciate that sort of thing and i'll tell you this it's an interesting contrast to the uh to the other golf course that we played the Ryder Cup round.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it is. I mean, It's totally different. Monty won his last uh, uh, tournament on the Smurford golf course. Um, it was the European Open. I think Dr Smurford had committed to a number of Irish and European Opens, uh, you know, was part of the reason of getting the Ryder Cup. And, you know, it was a, um, it was a, a a good test of golf but it was completely different it was slightly more exposed and it's one of these strange phenomenons i think in in, in weather the weather was always worse uh on that particular golf course and mm. you know um you you could have a pretty blustery not very nice day on the smurf course and you go onto the palmer course and uh it's uh you know it's quite quite the different yeah. I don't know why that was, but I mean, it, it just happened to be kind of like that. Uh, but they changed So the the Palmer course, so there's another thing, I guess, um, that I'm chipping in. But uh, the Palmer course changed, they changed the holes. I think the first and the tenth remained the same. Uh, and I'm saying that, and I think I'm right. Uh, but anyway, they, they certainly changed the, the holes round was the request uh, and it stayed uh, after the Ryder Cup finished. It stayed and still is the, the course that you played as the Ryder Cup.
1: I think they changed the eighteenth uh, and the ninth round. So, you're correct. Correct. So they went. So they went from the uh, the what? Well, well, I won the European Open. It was the sixteenth. Was the par four with the water on the right and the water short. And then yeah. you went to the seventeenth. Played a short par three. And then you played the 18th par five. But in the Ryder Cup, we played uh, the 16th as the par five with over the lippe, yep. yeah. And then the yeah. 17th around uh, the water, the half the moon, 18th, yeah. And the yeah. 18th is a par five to try and make it more spectacular and you know more drama. Finishing par five with a lot of water, more more water involved. Yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the 16th on that golf course is one of the best par fours uh, you'll ever play. Yeah. Tremendous, absolutely
0: tremendous. I mean, the, the 17th is Thomas Bjorn's nemesis, uh, yeah. the, the half-moon. Uh, they call it in Hooker's Graveyard is the 18th. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really, that those finishing three holes are spectacular, beyond yeah. spectacular. Um, so what all that means in the Ryder Cup is you are the European player who's the greatest number of appearances in the Ryder Cup winning teams. Uh, and Lee, you know, I've read out a whole stack of stuff that you've achieved—a um, Ryder Cup, Masters, all winning in up five continents. Which I interviewed Dame Laura Davis; she's done the same, and there's very okay. few people that have. Um, I mean, you must be incredibly proud, Lee. I mean, do you ever take a, a chance to step back and think, "Geez, you know, there's I lad from sort of the Midlands." Uh, and, and look, look what's happened? Or can you afford to think like that?
1: I guess in time, you know, I'll sit down and, uh, and reflect on it all. But, you know, when it's all going on, you don't really have a chance to or, you know, you don't really want to. Um, but, yeah, you know, I am I am proud of my Ryder Cup record. You know, I've played 11, um, been on seven winning teams. Uh, one of the my favourite records was, you touched on it earlier, when I was undefeated at, uh, at the K-Club. Yeah. I was under the, the one before um, at Oakmont, uh, Oakland. Oakland Hills. So yeah. I actually went 12 matches without losing. So, whoa. Um, yeah, did, so did, uh, five there, five five at the K Club and then the first two uh, at Valhalla.
0: Whoa. Oh, yes, of course. That's right. Uh, because I remember Valhalla, the K Club, um, uh Members were invited to Valhalla, uh, which I think was quite an experience for them. um, From from I remember them talking about
1: it. But uh, yeah, yeah, Valhalla
0: was was that a tough old track? Kentucky, isn't it? Kentucky?
1: Not really. No, I think when they had when they had the PGA Championship there, you know, people shoot you know a lot under par. You know, between fifteen and twenty under par. So uh, you know, it gives you a lot of chance. Gives you a fair amount of chances, Valhalla. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Um,
0: So with regards, we've a bit of a theme that's gone through these uh, podcasts, which is sort of caddies, linked to caddies. Um, And uh, the previous chap I interviewed was Craig Connolly, um, who's uh, quite a a character. um, And and some of his stories were very funny. He started as a caddy here. um, And um, he stepped in in the Solheim Cup for Trish Johnston, he was going to tell us the story, but he sort of stopped short um, because he said that all I'll tell you is Trish went through Caddies, <laughs> like nobody's business. Uh, and uh, but he got offered the opportunity and then things went from there. And of course he's with Martin, came on with Martin, all the best and in, in his recovery. Now you you've this relationship with billy billy foster um and uh, you know it, it's it's sort of folklore really i think uh, and and you know craig was was talking offline about this as well um, and and you know why did, and billy and craig went into being a caddy for paul casey in particular. You talk about paul and how you've got to adapt to who you're caddying for uh their, their kind of personality and and you have to adapt and that sort of mentality. So how did Billy adapt? How, how is he so suitable for you, Lee?
1: Uh, well, I think you, you're right in saying he adapts. Um, you know, he's been suitable for a lot of players. You know, everybody he's worked for has done really well. When he's been caddying for him. you know, you want to look at Matt Fitzpatrick, his current employer that, uh, you know, went in the US Elton last year, and he's worked for Darren when he was going through a good spell, and Thomas Bjorn and Sergio Garcia. Um, so, um, Billy's when he hasn't had a job has never been short of takers, um, because he's such a good caddy, you know, he's, he's very diligent with his yardages and things like that. He's good on the golf course. He's very positive. Um, he makes his mind up and sticks to it. Um, you know, he'll tell you what he thinks. There's no, there's no BS with him. Um. Just, just the all-round package really. Good, good green reader. Um, punctual, turns up. All right, well that helps. <laughs> I'm <going to> go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says he's a Leeds United fan and they beat Forest last night, so uh, I'm surprised I haven't heard from him. Well,
0: I'm afraid, Lee. I have to tell you, I am as well, and uh, I was going to. Oh, to... have brought it up yet. I was well. I've got it on my AOB but, here, Nottingham Forest and
1: Leeds, but uh, now but you a mentioned. You know, at least you're not a Derby County fan.
0: Well, we've got two board members who are Derby County fans. Have you got any? Uh, you know, anything you can, and any sympathies you can offer them? They're going through a rough time.
1: Not really. No. No, they've got no sympathy. Maybe, maybe support Matlock Town. I don't know. Oh dear. <laughs> And for people that, that
0: are listening, I mean, Nottingham Forest, so it's not Notts Forest, it's Nottingham Forest, uh, Notts County's over the Trent, uh, that's very important. And one of the first guys that I did a bit of a podcast with, uh, Lee, it was Jeff Boycott. Sir so Jeff Boycott. And, and we're quite pally. I love my cricket uh, as well. And Brian Clough is his idol. Mm. Uh, and, and Jeff would talk about him in glowing terms and became firm friends. You know, and they sort of bounced off each other. So, being a Nottingham Forest fan, though, you know, Cluffy was of an era. What um, What's your thoughts about Brian Clough? Or have you heard any stories about him, or anything that uh, that sort of was an inspiration, even?
1: Uh it, it was a little bit before my time. You yeah, know, I was in his I very, that. very, very briefly uh, many years ago. Um, and the stories are legendary, aren't they, of how he, you know, it was his way or the highway, really, wasn't it? Um, used to have a great saying where he'd, he'd bring somebody into his manager's room and he'd, they'd tell Brian what they thought and Brian would tell them what he thought and then they'd both decide that Brian was right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there was a great yeah, story. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, obviously, you know what he did at Nottingham Forest with what was basically a, you know, a team in the second division, taking them to the, yeah. the t- to winning that, and really well, well down the second division when he took over, taking them to to win that, and then going up and winning European Cups. Um, he must he must have had something very special about him, a bit like Fergie, I guess. You know, yeah, uh, great great presence, great great. Man manager, uh, you know, handling of individuals, kind of emotions and, and habits and then pulling them all together as a team yeah yeah
0: and he he appeared to have it all but he had that sort of sense of humor now funny enough he didn't work out at leeds uh leeds united but Mm. uh you know that was young those days so who knows you know horses for courses maybe but um you know i know that jeffrey was particularly taken by brian and it's you know jeffrey wouldn't be uh praiseworthy you know of too many individuals but he was one that was right, right up there, yeah. uh, and and I think you know to be honest, um, we probably do. I certainly do, and I think generally people do want Nottingham Forest to survive. I mean, you know, I did watch the match last night, uh, which leads one to one, and Forest in the first twenty minutes were particularly impressive, uh, and and I think that a, a neutral fan would definitely want to see. and I'm pleased that Steve Cooper. I don't know if you are, but I'm pleased that he's seemingly going to remain, Uh, and, uh, you know, we kind of do wish Nottingham Forest the best. I have to say that. Yeah, you know,
1: I'm a big fan of Steve Cooper. Um, I think people have very short memories. You're talking about a guy that's taken over uh, when Nottingham Forest were staring relegation in the face, um, taking them from, I think, bottom or second bottom to the playoffs, winning the playoffs and getting into the Premier League, Um, you know most teams that come up and go back down um yeah they've spent they've spent a uh, quite a lot of money um but it's hard to get all those pick players to gel together in such a sh- short period of time um you know I, I think he should be given time to build if they do go down he's you know record proves that he's the best play- person to bring him back up again um totally. you know why uh why upset the apple cart there and uh you know you, you need to in sport, you need to. I for me, you need to have continuity. If you start making too many changes, you don't when something goes wrong, you don't know what's good, what the cause of it is that's making it go wrong. If you keep the manager in place and you know his team and backroom staff, that's that's one of the things you can check off your list. You know, they, they've all done it before, they did it last season, bringing them back up. So, uh, you know, and, and the Premier League, let's face it, it's a tough league to stay in. Um, you know, look at look at. Leicester, Leicester, what won the league five years ago, They're struggling this year. You know, Southampton have been it for many years. Everton have never been relegated. They were down the bottom. West Ham, you mm-hmm. know, full of uh, good players uh, with a good manager, and uh, you know, it's uh, Bournemouth are down there. They've only just they've only just gone up last season. Um, you know, it's it, it it's tough to go up and stay up.
0: Yeah, I get it. I mean, it's for people that maybe don't know. I mean, there's only about three points difference between about seven or eight teams. I mean, it's absolutely anything could happen. So mm. we'll uh, we'll soon find out uh, soon enough. And um, back to the sort of caddy thing. And Lee, we appreciate your time. I, I know that uh, I don't want to keep you uh, on. But uh, uh, Katrina Matthew, who was also on her husband, caddied for I was talking with Greg Allen of RTE. Another one and we we're talking about is a guy called David Carey, whose girlfriend caddied for him, uh, and of course Helen, whose congratulations, by the way, uh, on, on, on your on your recent marriage, uh, caddied for you. And it's like an intriguing story. Uh, we're all fascinated by it. So, um, you know, how did that work? You know, and 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 for some of us, we couldn't think of anything worse. But uh, you know, you know, for, for you, Lee, how did that work in jail? It, it's fascinating.
1: He sat over there. So I, I know. Nice. <laughs> um, well, it it came about with unfortunate circumstances. Really, Billy's father passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was supposed to be playing in Abu Dhabi, and he said he couldn't go, so we were down in the gym and Helen overheard me having the conversation. She said, well, you know, if you can't find anywhere last minute, I'll come and do it. So it really started from there. I think I finished, um, I can't remember where I finished in the tournament. I think it was fourth or fifth, mm-hmm. um, you know, somewhere around there, sixth. Yeah. Um, and, and then later on in the year, um, Billy couldn't do it again. So, uh, she carried for me in Denmark and I lost in a playoff um and just kept you know just kept doing it and then i think the following year I went we went down sun city and i won yeah um the, the ned bank for a third time so uh um yeah it 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 works really well you know at this stage in my career i need more of a you know i, I i've listened to lots of caddies and Done you know, I know how to do the yardage and stuff like that and I can read greens pretty well. It's it's the psychology part of it that, you know, mm. I need help with and Helen obviously knows me better than anybody and you know, can say the right thing at the right time and be that psychologist on the golf course. She's actually Just... coming down to Australia and Singapore to caddy, uh in in a couple of weeks' time. So uh yeah, she's not she's not done any this year. She's been quite lazy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Well, I hope, so, uh, yeah. I hope
0: she. I hope she. By the way, Lee, I hope she's on fifty percent, not this ten percent nonsense. Well, you know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've you've moved on, uh, obviously, um, to the, the the live tour, and Craig was was talking pretty glowingly about how everybody uh, was and is well looked after, and and I think for a, a golf fan, uh, it's really self the pulses racing, Uh, you know, we've all meandered along with the way things are. uh, And now all of a sudden there's this injection of pace uh, and things changing uh, rapidly. And actually, uh, I think, you know, I think the future I have to say for World Golf, maybe not this particular time, is actually probably bright uh, if things all maybe Come together, which I I don't know if they will, but I'm hopeful that's the case. And for you, Lee, you know Martin Kamer was saying it's about family. You're recently married, you know. It, it's the the kind of the lifestyle, uh, and, and it's the ability to play. You know, eight or ten tournaments a year. You've you've travelled all around the world for years and years and turned up at, at all venues. Always supported Lee. You've always supported events from around the world so this is your opportunity uh to get involved in something new and i mean it, it, do you still feel as enthusiastic and do you share my confidence that uh it's maybe just shaking the golf world up but maybe not in a bad way
1: yeah i think uh, i think people you know react have reacted poorly to it because people don't like change no um but I think golf golf needs change. I think seventy two old tournaments week in week out, you know, do nothing for the game. And and you know, lives different. It's fifty four holes. It's shotgun. You know, there's music playing on the golf course. Yeah, pretty similar to what cricket have done with their Twenty Twenty. You know, there's yeah. still the still the test matches for the purists. And, you sure. know, in golf, there'll always be the major championships, and there'll be tournaments like the PGA Wentworth and the Memorial and and Bay Hill and things like that. But you know, I think I think you know everybody can coexist. Um, mm. The 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 reason people don't want to coexist is just purely a, a money. You know, the PGA Tour see Live as a threat, and mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a threat to how much money they can make week in week out. You know, and the one thing Live can do, which the PGA Tour couldn't do until they had these designated elevated events, whatever you call them, was guarantee a field. Um, you know, they could guarantee a sponsor, there's your forty eight players, they're gonna be there on these fourteen weeks during the year. Yeah. You know, that that you you pay your money and that's what you're getting. Whereas on the PJ Tour and the D P World Tour, you know, they can't make those guarantees. You know, a sponsor puts in the money and mm-hmm. he goes, Right, well I want Rory McElroy to play. And they're like, mm-hmm. Well, if he's in Europe, they're like, Well you've got to pay him appearance money and this guy and the sponsor's like, Well if I've already put 10 million into this tournament why should I pay more um and 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 that's the issue that the other tours have got uh, when going up against live um and for me at my age I'm in under you know under three weeks time you know it was um I, I don't want to play 30 tournaments a year anymore oh. <laughs> uh, and and to get in the big events at the end of the year or qualify for the fedex Cup. You can't do it without playing 30 events. These young kids, you know, they're going out and they're playing that many. Um, Because, you know, I was taking three, four weeks off. I don't live in America. I live in England. And I was taking three, four weeks off between tournaments, coming back here, and I'd go from 50th on the FedEx Cup to 75th. I dropped 25 spots in three weeks, just purely because I hadn't played at any point. Um, So, you know, that was becoming increasingly frustrating for me. And, you know... In, in three weeks' time, like I say, I'm 50, uh, you know, faced with the prospect of playing on the on the Champions Tour. Uh, looked at that, and once again, that's, you know, they, t- they play 26, 27 tournaments a year, which, you know, I didn't <laughs> want to do. Um, you know, two to two and a half million a week they're playing for on that tour. And then Lyft came along and it's 14 events playing for 25 million a week, really. You know, my stage in my career—that's a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I'd say that's a pretty uh, strong argument, Lee. Um, And you know, and it must be frustrating that maybe sometimes, you know, that it isn't heard. um, You know, in in a balanced, fair manner, Uh, as you say, people protecting maybe their own interests um, is is part of it. I suppose that's part of life as well. But I think I think for a golf fan. you know, we all want to see uh all the players that we know and love and recognize and have followed forever or recently or whatever, together playing in the big tournaments, you know, the majors. I mean, that's what the golf fans want. Um and, and that's what we crave for. Um it, it, it doesn't have to be, as you pointed out, you're quite right. Uh that, that was never the case for all tournaments. I remember the Irish Open and the Scottish Open, there was always who have the Scottish got, right, okay, who have the Irish got, you know, and uh, it, it was inevitably two different fields generally. Um, mm. I think you, you probably tended to play them both, I think, uh, or or yeah, whatever. Really yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you were a great sport. But, but, you know, so at, you're right, the events was, but, you know, the golf fans want to see um, Lee Westwood, Ian uh, Poulter, Rory McIlroy, DeChambeau, Kopka. That's what excites us. Uh, and, um, you know, I just, I just worry that, um, you know, the golf fan uh, is important. You know, the golf fan is important, uh, you know, but but on a personal basis, but in the scheme of things, you know, there's lots of things, that I guess, at play.
1: Yeah, I think the golf fan really is only interested in the four majors and the Ryder Cup. I think outside those five events, you know, they might flick the TV on every now and again. The 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 real, you know, big golf fans. But you know, generally, most people that play golf are only interested in the four majors and the Ryder Cup, and they get they get the the best players in the world at those events. They they are ones where everybody comes together and um uh, you know you don't before Live happened, you didn't get the best players at all no. the events more no. than more than that you know no uh, that's right we, we had it for a while at world golf championships and then you know the the pga tour have, try, have tried to whittle that away um because you know with world golf championships they didn't have enough control over the field you, you were getting players exempt from you know australia and south africa and they were getting cards on the on the pga tour through those events and that was becoming increasingly frustrating to them um you know I, I, it goes back to my point they they, they want to be able to control the fields on the PGA tour because yeah. that's what sells that's that's the easiest way to sell them to the the sponsors yeah on the TV. yeah
0: yeah I, I guess it just appears to be the way of it um you know i i think that um you know it, it'll my my view it's my personal view is that It'll work its way through. And, you know, Liv has your right. Shotgun starts, 48 players. It's new T20 cricket, revolutionised cricket, as you pointed out. I mean, I mentioned Jeffrey Boycott. You know, uh, Jeffrey getting him off test cricket was difficult and still that's his thing. T20 less so, but he realises the importance of the boost it gave cricket. And I think, you know, Luddite's or something that appeared uh, in, in England around the UK uh, quite hundreds of years ago, preventing sort of change. You can't prevent change. You need to let it rock and roll. You know, you need to let it rock and roll.
1: Yeah, another one of the issues is is the age of the consumer, you know, the age of yeah. the golf viewer. You know, on the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, it's the average age is 65. On on live, it's 45. We need to encourage younger people to be getting into the game. And this is what is, you know, that is good for everybody. If young people are getting into the game. Um, There's a lot of options for sports to play now. You know, sports readily, different sports are readily available, you know, to to everybody. We've got to attract people to make, you know, golf the the sport that they want to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got a daughter who's 22, she's quite sporty. Uh, and, uh, you know, you tell her that there's a DJ on the T box and Ellie Goulding's finishing off. You know, she'll not just be there herself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she'll bring her friends, you yeah. know, and because, I mean... You know what we want. That's what we we'll want. That's what we we'll want. Uh, Lee, listen, you've been absolutely terrific. One last question. Uh, who do you think is gonna win the Masters? I mean, it's a hell of a question, it's a hell of a question, but...
1: Well, I think this is a tough one to pick this year. There's a lot of people playing well, but I think the weather's gonna play an important part in it, having, having you know, seen the weather forecast. Uh... John Rahm, I'm gonna go for.
0: There we go. I think he's not gonna be far away, definitely. Yeah. Lee and Helen as well you are always welcome the North Gate uh, at Loch Lomond uh, will always be open to Lee Westbury and, and Helen as well we love to see you back up here as soon as possible we'd love to look after you you've been absolutely fantastic to interview as well Lee thank you so much the members will really appreciate it and on behalf of them we wish you well uh, for this year uh, you have inspired way more people than what you'll ever know um and for that alone sir you deserve lots of credit so thank you so much thanks bill thanks lee Cheers. cheers thank you